speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. That's a bit of wisdom that I gleaned from author Anne Lamott. Um, it applies to moving ahead in life with forgiveness of other people. In the spirit of Desmond Tutu, friend of this parish, who said that there's no future without forgiveness, or in the spirit of Nelson Mandela, who amazingly forgave his captors after 27 years in prison, because he said if he didn't forgive them, they still had him in prison. For me, it suggests the on ongoing process in my own life of letting resentments go, taking them off the shelf where I tend to polish them and keep them as trophies, tossing them in the emotional dumpster. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. And it's not simply a matter of forgiving others. It can also be about forgiving ourselves for mistakes, sins, poor judgment, poor choices, letting go of the past with all its what ifs. And it can also be about letting go of things we once thought were so important, but now realize lack ultimate value. Cue the insight that few people on deathbed wish they'd spent more time at the office or in meetings. It's all part of what I would call holy forgetting, a hope for what lies ahead as we leave the past behind. It's an acceptance of where we find ourselves on this day in this present moment with an anticipation of something new that God will do based on a determination to always keep the main thing, the main thing. In the mystery of our faith, this holy forgetting stands side by side with a kind of holy remembering. Because a lot of our scripture, a lot of our liturgy, a lot of the life of faith is about remembering. The Hebrew scriptures are full of calls to remember what God has done and how in the past God saved God's people when it was looking grim. We celebrate Holy Eucharist regularly because what did Jesus say to his disciples? Do this in remembrance of me. A portion over the prayer, uh, of the prayer over the bread and wine recalls the good things God has done. That part of the prayer, um, clergy like to come up with technical names for things. The part of the prayer that talks about the good things God has done is called anamnesis, not amnesia not forgetting, which is something that we all tend to do. In my own journey, I have found strength by looking at the spirit, looking in my own spiritual rearview mirror and remembering the ways that God has acted in my life, sometimes hard to discern in the moment. And along with that, there's a kind of holy remembering that we explore in sacred ground and other places, considering ways that our history has been oppressive and broken Maya Angelou put it this way, history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. But if faced with courage, it need not be lived again. So given all that, what's the deal with holy forgetting? It is also part of the spiritual journey and we find it reflected in today's scripture. It's the wisdom of Isaiah who says to the people in exile, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Can you perceive it? These people may have thought that foreign captivity was their sealed fate, that it could never be any different, that there was no other future for them. 
I wonder if you've ever felt that way. The prophet calls them to leave that past behind and to step into the new thing that God will do, the new thing God will do. We find a lot of holy forgetting in the letter uh, St. Paul wrote to the Philippians in today's passage. He talks about forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know how you think about St. Paul. He strikes me as someone who, how, who, uh, how shall we say, had plenty of ego strength. Um, <laughs> he talks about his impressive credentials in this passage, a fine family, good education, upstanding citizen. He's leaving those behind to follow the call of Jesus, describing those previous credentials as rubbish. It reminds me of what Aquinas said on his deathbed after receiving a powerful vision of Christ. In light of that vision, Aquinas reflected on all his magnificent writings, and there were many of them. And he said, all my work is straw, wholly forgetting. In other letters, Paul spoke not of his impressive resume, but of the ways he kind of messed things up. His life in Christ, the saving grace he experienced, the amazing grace he experienced, allowed him to forget all that as well, left in the immutable past. Once lost, now found, he moves toward the new thing God intends. He says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. We read that on Ash Wednesday. And he comes to a real clarity about the direction he wants to go. His goal is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's it. That's the main thing. And he sure wants to keep the main thing the main thing. So how is that possible for you and for me? I think we get clues from today's gospel, which has to do with worship. We meet Mary, who appeared in the chapter just before this, when Jesus raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus is actually at this party. One can only imagine her gratitude, her holy remembering of that miracle. She takes a pound of costly perfume. I'm told in our day it would be worth $45,000. Who knows how they figured that out? But anyway, that's what they say. She breaks it open. She anoints Jesus's feet and wipes them with her hair. It is a lavish, loving offering made at a turning point in John's gospel as we're just about to begin the events of Holy Week. And her act of worship anticipates the offering of Jesus on Good Friday for Mary honoring that crucial moment for Jesus, drawing attention to it was the main thing, worthy of the most extravagant outpouring of love worth more than anything else. Now, Judas apparently has another idea, earning him a rebuke from Jesus. You may wonder along with me what Jesus meant by saying you always have the poor with you. It sounds harsh, like Jesus is setting up a choice, pay attention to me or pay attention to the poor. It may help to note that when Jesus said this, he was quoting from his scriptures, Deuteronomy 15 which reads, since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and the needy and the needy neighbor in your land. 
The expectation is that as the poor will always be with us, we are always called to open our hands to them, always. And that does not diminish the importance of Mary's offering in this particular moment, a moment on which our history hinges. This morning, her, her story calls us to consider our own story as we discern for ourselves and our community what's the main thing. What drives and animates us in life? What ultimately matters from today on? What is that for you? What is that for St. James as we seek to hold worship at the center of each week? Maybe it's about this dance of holy forgetting and holy remembering. It's about forgetting, like St. Paul, that in the past we may have given our lives to things that don't really matter, that we may have given our hearts to that which will not satisfy our hearts. Time to move on from all of that. It is about remembering where our treasure lies, noting that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We read that on Ash Wednesday too. It's about forgetting the idea, the heresy really, that we have to prove ourselves to receive the love of God or neighbor. It's about remembering that we have already been saved. Theologian Karl Barth was once asked, I think he was on an airplane, which is always a dangerous place to get into a religious discussion, but he uh, was once asked by his fellow passenger if he was born again, and if so, if he could name the time and the place. Dr. Barth said he had been born again, and then he could indeed name the time and place. 3 p.m. on the very first Good Friday on that hill in Jerusalem. The work is done. Love has won. It's about forgetting those things that trigger and sustain our resentments as we let them go and send them down the river. And it's about remembering that we have been forgiven, opening the way for us to forgive others to live resentment-free. Wouldn't that be lovely? It's about forgetting those things that draw us from the love of God, remembering to keep worship of God in Christ at the center, worshiping with our lips and with our lives, which we do when we help those in need, which, as we've mentioned, is always our call. Always. So here we are on this fifth Sunday in the season of Lent with our pasts strong and frail, our successes and failures behind us. We emerge from the wilderness of Lent. Next Sunday, we begin Holy Week, 10 o'clock for the service in the morning. Um, around here, the upcoming Holy Week will be a rich offering of time and talent and tre treasure offered by many. How will you prepare for that week? How will you participate in it? We set aside Holy Week to remember the reason for the season, the reason for everything we do. We set aside this week to remember who we worship and what we value, and we forget demands set might fulfill, that we might fulfill in other weeks, just setting them aside for a holy moment. Are you ready for that movement in your life? What values will guide you in that movement? What does Jesus have to do with it? I invite you to take this coming week to reflect on where you are giving your heart. Maybe as you practice some holy forgetting and some holy remembering, keeping your eyes on the prize, keeping the main thing the main thing. 
aiming with St. Paul to know Christ and the power of his death and resurrection. While there's little hope for a better past, there is great hope for a new thing that God will do in your life and in mine and in our common life. As Isaiah asked, can we perceive it? Amen.